When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, welcome to some and welcome back to others. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Mikey, half of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, and this is my indie, episode 116, Guidance. Indie episodes are individual episodes that Randy and I record. It's a way for us to honor who we are as individuals and not just who we are as spouses. Episodes will drop every week from one of us with our thoughts about a random topic. In my episodes, you can look forward to interviews, shout outs to some amazing men or fathers out there who are taking care of business, deeper insight into my thoughts about marriage, life, fatherhood, and more. Each of my indies will have three parts. Part one is the main topic, stories or interviews. Part two is head nod, where I show some respect to someone who's doing something great that I think deserves a little bit of recognition, or I'll answer some questions that you all send in. And finally, part three is where I leave you with a little sum-sum to wrap it up. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Mother lover, you gon' love this. Graduated from a rebel to a revolutionary in my area, they love this. I'ma wreck it like I'm revving the engine, heaven's ascension, every dimension, give me attention, look at my soul, look at my heart, look at my hope, got the world on my back, but I carry it though, tell them God got my hand, I ain't letting it go, I, I, I came from the side of the ocean, swim with the best of them, I can't deny I was chosen, yeah, it's the Miggity Mac, milk in the mic, I don't think I'm giving it back, living unlimited, winning, that's a limited fact, I'm master this, ain't no coming after this, resurrected from the dead like Alright, so, what happened was, um, I miss my uncle. Um, this year has been long um, and it's been full of conversations where Randy and I are kind of forcing ourselves to get a little deeper into not our traumas, but like just things that are affecting us and why they're affecting us and taking a closer look at how something is having an effect on us, I guess, because we're in closer proximity because of this pandemic and because we're not leaving the house um, that we are having these conversations and they seem to be getting a little deeper than they were when we were kids. But I miss my uncle. Uh, one day we were sitting and we were talking and, uh, we were struggling to figure out what we were going to do for dinner. And so I remembered one of my mentors made, uh, not made nachos, uh, like a mountain of nachos. He had cooked up some, some, like it was delicious. And he threw it in a, I, I don't know how to, how to describe it. He just, he put a mountain of chips and beans and meat and a whole bunch of other stuff on this giant pan and threw it in his big ass oven. And he and I and his daughters, we ate and just picked away at this like mountain of nachos. And I remember it was one of like the most delicious things I ever ate. And so because of that, I was inspired. And one night I decided, hey, you know what? I'm just I'm feeling kind of way today. I'm just going to try to make nachos. I don't remember what he did specifically, but I remember how it tasted. And I know enough about how to cook to try to recreate some of it. And I made it and it was great. And Randy loved it. And I started, I don't know, I think that from that day, I started just thinking a little bit more about the men who inspired me and the people who 
who have an effect on me and who I randomly catch myself thinking about. And again, this came up because of our conversation just about how long this year had been. Uh, when I was in the program, in the coding program, they had a strict attendance um, schedule. And so basically I wasn't able to miss uh, two days in a, two days at all. If you miss two days or absent for two days, then you got kicked out. I think it was three. So if you're absent for three days, the third strike, you, you're out of the program. Three lates count as an absence and you can be counted late if you were, you know, two minutes back late, late from a bathroom break. There's very little sympathy there. And there was very little room for error. And the entire purpose of me taking that program, again, was to try to, you know, further myself and take on this career as a developer. And so, you know, I didn't want to risk it. But uh, during the course of me taking that program, a very close family member of mine passed. And I was heartbroken that I could not attend the funeral because I could not miss too many days of the program. It would require me to fly to New York and come back. Um, Y'all have heard the story or something, probably heard something about this before. I'm sure we talked about it, but, uh, you know, Drew was born the third week of the program and the day after she was born, I had to still get back to class. So like, I, you know, the, luckily the, the place was right down the street, but there was, you know, there was no real break for me at all. Um, and I felt like throughout this year, I haven't had a, a much of a break period. And this again led to me thinking about, my uncle. Um, my uncle was my first experience with having a mentor. Um, so my uncle Marvin was my uh, my mother's older brother. My mother was the youngest of three, and my uncle Marvin was the middle child, and he was the only boy, um, like me, until I had a younger sister. But there's a lot uh, about my uncle that I remember, um, and a lot that he that he did that kind of stuck with me. And in thinking about this concept of mentors, I was thinking about how important it is that black men have guidance, that black men have someone who they can look to or go to or talk to about something they may be struggling with or someone who can point them in the right direction when they need just a nudge or they need that guidance. Um, And so it got me thinking about the concept of, again, a mentor. So a mentor is defined as an experienced or trusted advisor. Very straightforward. I'm going to talk a little bit about four of my mentors. I had more, um, and there are definitely people who had uh, who had some sort of influence on me at a younger age. But I'm going to focus on these four because these four had qualities that were very specific to them that I took away from what I saw in them and the work that they did and who they were. And it resonated with me because that's who I was. I'm going to start with my uncle. The reason why my uncle was a mentor to me. And some of the things that stuck out with me were that he was spiritual. Um, My uncle read his Bible every night and not in a way where he would like beat you with scripture, but in a way that he, he read his Bible and was aware of his spirituality. And he would talk about it if you wanted to talk about it with him, but he believed in God. And a lot of that guided his decision-making. And he was a very positive person before that. I mean, because of that. And um, it led to the next, uh, the next trait that I had associated with him, which is, you know, he was disciplined. Uh, my uncle was in great shape and my uncle used to like pick on me because I would be lazy sometimes. Like I was, I was, I'd play sports, but I didn't, I wasn't nearly as disciplined as I should have been or could have been. Um, and my uncle really was, and I would watch him be very, um, very strict with what it is that he put in his body. Every morning, my uncle would make porridge. And again, I don't know what was in this porridge. I have no idea what it was made out of. Um, and I hate that I never learned, but it, it was, it was very it was an important part of his day. He'd make his porridge for breakfast, he'd work out, he'd read his Bible and he'd go to work and like he had a set 
thing that he would do. Um, he was very disciplined. And that's just one of the things that I always appreciated about him and that I learned and took from him and tried to try to emulate. Um, my uncle was kind, one of like, just, he was just a gentle person. Um, and because of that, he was a peacemaker. He was a peacemaker in my family. Whenever there were issues or arguments um, with some of my families, I just always remember my uncle being at the center of it, just trying to calm everybody down and just basically being the the voice of reason in the room. And that obviously, you know, stuck out to me. I've always, again, I've always, because of that, you know, wanted to be somebody who could like clear the air in a certain space or somebody who could add calm to a situation and bring a little peace to the area where there may be none. And I would actually say that I am somebody like that. It's hard to be upset around me. I'm a happy person. And I, I, I attribute a lot of that to my uncle. One of my other mentors was uh, Mr. Palmer. Uh, Byron Palmer. I spoke about him on a previous episode. Uh, he also recently passed, and um, the traits that I that he had that always stuck out to me were he was very blunt. He was very direct. Um, there was no wondering what he was thinking. He would tell you. Um, I learned discernment from him. He was very straightforward in how he made decisions, and he actually would like look at you away or he he would talk to me in a way that made me feel bad about not having the ability to express what I was saying or what I wanted to do. He was, he was one of those men who would tell you like, it's important as a man to know what you want to do and what you're trying to do so that you can make the right decision. So you're not negatively affecting other people's with your inability to decide. Um, so discernment was one of the the major things I took away from him. And also I learned from him that black men can be, you know, multifaceted. He had a lot of different talents and there were a lot of different things that he was into. He was a chef and he was great at it. And so that kind of solidified in my mind, like, hey, you know, maybe I can actually, it's okay if I'm good at a whole bunch of things. I don't have to just pick one thing to do or love or enjoy for the rest of my life. And that, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if I dipped my toes in some other things and tried new shit. And so, yeah, I attribute that to him. Uh, another one of my mentors is Mr. Q. One of the things that or some of the things that the characteristics that he had, uh, he was professional. This was the first time I met a brother, dark skinned man who was like constantly wearing suit and ties, who dressed a certain way, carried himself a certain way, who wasn't like former military or I don't know. He just <laughs> he was one of my first uh, experiences with meeting a black guy that was like really professional. It was weird. Um, in the earlier days of our education, a lot of our teachers were former HBCU students, a lot of them, damn near, I could, I think I could safely say about 90% of them were uh, members of a fraternity or sorority, one of the Divine Nine. And a lot of them, it was one of my first times seeing black people like take dress so seriously. Um, growing up, you would hear, like, I'd see it in church. Um, but they take that attitude of like getting, like being in your Sunday best all the fucking time. It was wild to me. Um, but, and, I don't know if he was in a fraternity, actually, but I just remember the way he used to dress and carry himself. I'm like, hmm, it was intriguing. It was it was it was something that I always appreciated. And I talked to him about it. He was like, you know, I just want to look good. Like he, his his response was that of like a nigga. It wasn't somebody that was necessarily trying to impress people. That's actually just a part of who he was. Um, it's very professional um, in the way he carried himself. He is one of those people that like could be in a room with anybody and be able to have a conversation and not feel out of place. And that resonated with me because that's, again, a trait that I wanted to have or did have actually at the time. And he helped shape that a little bit more. 
um, definitely made me, made me feel confident about my ability because I saw like it was possible with somebody who was dark skinned and he uh, I think he was like six two, six three. Like he was he was he was a large black man, and as a large black man, it was nice to see that oh, not everybody will find us threatening, <laughs> and there's a way to like pull it off and be cool. He was also very charismatic. Another thing that I would another word that I would use to describe myself, and people were drawn to him, and he was very honest. Whenever we would have conversations, he would he wouldn't sugarcoat anything. And I've always appreciated that coming from another black man, because this world is not is not the kindest to us. Um, and there's a way to to treat other black men without like hurting them. And this was one of my, again, first experiences with being close to somebody who actually wasn't meaning to do me harm. Uh, so, yeah, just the honesty professionalism the charisma i was that was my guy i still talk to him by the way uh and then the last one that i had right here is mr kemp now mr kemp was a little bit different mr kemp was extremely knowledgeable um he made learning look cool now when i was younger i was a really big nerd and so i was drawn to people who were also smart and one of the things about mr kemp is like he had this this way of being really approachable that was one of his the other words that i wrote, wrote down to describe his personality. He was approachable and he was chill. And as a little black boy who had problems with authority figures, specifically authorities who were male, specifically authorities who were male, who had like, who I felt were doing too much sometimes. It's really hard to explain. I feel like y'all know what I'm talking about. What I mean, those dudes that was just doing too much. He was chill. He was somebody that you had actually, you would actually want to approach to talk to and get his opinion on things. And then when you got it, you were like, damn, I just got a lot of information that was actually useful. That was my guy. So again, knowledgeable, approachable, chill. These were all traits that I wanted to have. These are all traits that I felt like it was important to possess. And because of that, these these men, these mentors, these people who I looked to, they had something that I either wanted or also had and wanted to get better at. And because of that, I sought them out. And I love all of those men that I just named and still close with the with the two that are alive today. And the reason why I think that it's it's necessary for black men to have mentors, especially now is because that, that guidance, that person who has a little bit more experience with something than you, that you need is going to be the thing that pushes you to the next level. And there's a lot of time where I feel alone and I feel like I am by myself or that I'm doing something by myself because I had never seen it be done before. Like in fatherhood, a lot of what I'm doing is, is foreign territory to me because I didn't have a father. Um, and the crazy thing is that even though I didn't have a father, it didn't mean that fathers don't exist and that someone else may have, you know, done or gone through something similar, something that I can relate to. Simply put, rate representation matters. We talk often about belief in fatherhood and how how the the things that we've witnessed as that YouTube channel and that family has grown has had an impact on us. Um, again, one of the first times that I got an example of what it looks like for real day to day with a black dad who's at home with his kids, who is married to his wife and faithful and present and what type of energy that takes and what that actually looks like. And you get a real visual of what a proud black dad looks like, a tired black dad looks like, an excited black dad, a joyful black dad. You see all the different emotions that a man is actually allowed to go through when it comes to raising his kids. These are all things that you just would not know about if you were not exposed to them or if you did not have someone who, again, had been through or gone through something and decided to pass that information on. He didn't 
have to put on these cameras at all but i thank god for that channel because it it definitely made it seem like being the type of black dad i dreamed about was possible um these men that i named previously these traits that i saw in them made it seem like okay so it's possible for me to be spiritual disciplined kind and a peacemaker blunt direct discerning multifaceted professional charismatic honest knowledgeable approachable chill all in one and that be okay because i've seen it be done before and again i think that it's necessary for black men to have mentors necessary for men to have mentors because we need help we need guidance we need people who can show us something that we have never seen be done before help point us in a direction to do things that we have dreamed of doing that we are capable of doing but may not know it yet um mentorship it's it's important and at a time where we are seeing a lot of visual we're receiving a lot of information and we're seeing a lot of people like us be killed daily and people like us be harmed and people like us be undervalued and it can be a lot in times like this i think it's extremely important that you have a community that you have some sort of guide because no matter what's going on around us we actually have black as black men have no choice but to continue moving forward work still needs to be done and it is expected that you do it however it can be difficult and it can be hard especially in situations or cases where you just haven't seen it be done before and so because of that i would have to say to anybody listening to this if you're considering it to reach out to a mentor find you one it's important it's necessary and I think in our next segment, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into why that is. Answer me this. How long have you had that mattress? Because it's looking even lumpier than my lockdown love handles. And while those might be more cuddly, a lumpy mattress is doing nothing for your comfort levels or your sleep. So whatever body you're rocking, put it on a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in. That includes a Nectar mattress, mattress protector, cooling pillows, and sheet set, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com and get hugged. Q&A. Um, so I had some questions submitted um, via Instagram and through family over on Patreon. I basically posed the question, was there any questions that you had concerning black men's and mentorship? And these are some of the, the submissions that I got. So the first question was submitted by famed TikTok star and my long distance best friend, um, Ebby on Instagram. Um, and her question was, how do you go about choosing when most of you are so closed off. I don't know if she meant because most of us are closed off emotionally or distance wise. So I'm going to actually answer both. The way that I went about choosing a mentor again was seeing something in them that I either wanted or could relate to and then deciding, hey, I want to talk to that person and get information or knowledge from them. I personally sought out people who have or doing something that I want to do. So for instance, I wanted to be a web developer. I started looking for black men who were developers and asking how did they get into this line of work? What made them do it? And what are some of the tools that I need to know in order to be successful? And just starting with those basic questions, I ended up 
building rapport. I ended up having building relationships and I know more and am better off today because of that. Um, if we're talking distance wise, this is the day of like social media. There's nobody that you can't reach out to via email or text or DM to try to get their attention to try to talk to for a moment. I have bent the ear of people who live on the West Coast. Mind you, I'm in Atlanta. I've had conversations with people in California who I admire heavily and I'm still trying to become a mentor of. So it really honestly just takes effort. You gotta, you gotta try, but that's it. I, I go about choosing simply by seeing what it is that you have that I want, not in the form of like riches, but information. Like, what do you know? The next question that was submitted says, why do you choose them? Uh, what makes it easier or harder to be vulnerable with them? The mentee mentorship relationship is one where you have no choice but to be vulnerable if you're actually seeking to get some information from someone if you're seeking to get better from someone i have uh i have a criteria basically that i set when it comes to approaching somebody about hey i I would like you to mentor me or i'd like to get some information from you and it's very simple so my criteria is have they done or are they doing what i want to do and if they have done it were they successful or good at it successful by my standards, whatever I would define successful as. So did they do it for a long period of time? Was it high quality in a way that I would consider it high quality? And were they good at it? Um, basically, you know, were they good at it? Did they enjoy it? Um, and the last but not least, the last part of my criteria is, are they happy? Um, so again, not just are they good financially, but like, did they enjoy it? Did, did, did they find joy in it? Do they love what they do? Because people who love what they do have a different outlook on something than people who do what they have to do because they have to do it. Um, so that's my criteria again for getting information from someone or for choosing a mentor. As far as what makes it easier or harder to be vulnerable with them, one of the things that makes it easier is just having something that, uh, or, or talking to someone and commuting with someone who is relatable, meaning, you know, maybe comes from a similar background, has a similar story, um, is approachable is someone who you could see yourself possibly in the future actually opening up to or someone who even finally got you to that point where I, I see like this could I feel like this could be somebody that I should probably reach out to a little bit or a little like a little extra feedback from that one so as y'all know I constantly refer to my nigga Viva as when I'm speaking in um in some of the episodes that we refer that we that we record and while Vivez is not actually my nigga Vivez really is my nigga uh, Vivez is a reference to <laughs> the cheat code podcast also on domino sounds network y'all check that out vivez and i have been slowly building on social media i love vivez and some of the time, some of the things that he posts i relate heavily to and he actually gave some feedback for uh for this question as well and some of the feedback that he shared was that the biggest challenge for him was finding a mentor in the spaces that he wanted to occupy for example black lawyers or doctors especially from the hood so again one of the things that makes it easier is finding somebody that you can relate to or somebody that mirrors a little bit of where you come from and what you look like. And that's a challenge in and of itself, but it's not impossible because someone has done it, which would explain why Vivez now today is a successful lawyer from the hood and a nigga. <laughs> like, and, and because of, because he, he took the time out, I'm assuming to take a shot and figure out who he needed to talk to and actually put himself in that position and reach out to someone. He had made the connection he needed to make. So it makes it easier if you see someone who mirrors what it is that you want to do and is doing what you want to do and you know, kind of looks like you. 
And last but not least, the last question that I had submitted was, are you looking for someone who shares your trauma or someone who can relate? And again, coming off that last one, we are not trying to trauma bond here. We are trying to build. We are trying to grow as a person. One of the reasons why people I grew up with are not alive today is because they kept hanging around with people we grew up with. They did not seek new perspective, fresh understanding, a different space because of their comfort. Um, they did not think that it was possible for them to leave certain spaces, so they did not try. Um, and this is obviously not everybody, but I, I have some sad stories. But if you are not actively pursuing something, then you are doing nothing. If you're not working, then you're not working. So if you're not actively working towards something or putting in work behind something, then you're not doing anything. And so what you want is to be looking at someone and working with someone who is doing something, who is actively putting in work behind the things that they want to accomplish. That's the type of person that you want to work with. You don't actually just want to sit and just bond with somebody again over your trauma. This is an old Jay-Z quote. He was just like, I don't be in the project hallways talking about how I be in the project all day. Like, that's just not how you get business done. It's not how I became a successful businessman or a rapper or anything that I have done is because I just be out here doing nothing. Um, you got to put work behind your words and effort behind your passions. And that's the only way that you can accomplish anything. So again, you are looking for someone who is doing the work you want to do. Um, yeah. All right, y'all, I'm going to leave you with this. This is an old quote from my basketball coach in high school. I don't remember who the quote was by. I just know this was one of the many things that we were forced to memorize when we had to do wall sits and goddamn suicides. So this quote is, I probably should have Googled this, but like, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. I don't know where that came from, but it's been burned into my brain for a long time. We were taught this quote, um, by our coach because we were supposed to memorize it and it was supposed to like inspire us to, you know, want to play more as a team and think with that team mentality and not selfishly because we had so many ball hogs who really thought they was going to the league, but did not know that it was never going to happen. <laughs> and so it stuck with me. Um, and I think that that still applies today. To me, it, it said it's on men to hold men down, lift men up, hold men accountable and help men out. You may think that you are alone, you are an island, but actually you are a part of something bigger than yourself. We may feel at times that we are alone, but you know, we are actually not meant to do everything solo. I feel like we as men need guidance. Uh, we need a community just as much as we need a purpose and a passion and something to do with ourselves. Um, so if there's someone that you admire or something, someone's doing what it is that you want to do, take a chance, seek them out, ask questions. Um, there's nothing wrong at all with wanting to better yourself. The Black Million Marriage Podcast is on Domino Sounds Network. Submit questions or feedback for our next solo episode. Email us at blackmillmare at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 770-750-750. 4098 that could be featured on a future episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode and be sure to check out our website, www.blackmillionmarriage.com. Follow us on social media platforms on Instagram, I am Mikey underscore XXI. Randy is R A N D 
four I's, three E's. On Twitter, we are at underscore the Chapmans. As always, y'all, be blessed, don't settle, and fight clean. Peace. I'm about to let the fuels. I just need me a cup. I'm going to pour me the juice. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Uh, I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Hello. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.